Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. I want you to open your Bibles if you've got a Bible. If you don't, it's all right. It's going to come up on the screen. I want to jump straight into it. I'm not going to preach uh, for long, but uh, I just want to share something that God put on my heart. And uh, if you're visiting, we want you to feel welcome and uh, thank you for coming out. Downstairs at the end of the service, we have a connection lounge that we'd love to meet you and chat with you. Also next week, get excited because we have the boss, the captain, the big dog is going to be in the house. And uh, of course, Pastor Jensen Franklin, and uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be awesome. He's going to be here all day next week, so come out. But I want to share this story surrounding um, Easter. There's so many different stories that we can preach from. There's so many different perspectives on the resurrection. There's perspective of particular disciples. There's perspective of the women that went to the tomb early. If you look at it and study it a little bit, you see all of the different, not only perspectives, but some things sort of, in a sense, cross over. Some people say, well, I saw him here first. Others say, I saw him here first. Someone says, this was what he said to me. Someone else says, this is what he said to me. This, he appeared to the guys on the road. He appeared to the Mary at the tomb and the women at the tomb. And then he walked through the wall with the disciples. And some of these stories sort of cross over. And, but the more I was, I was sort of looking at it and studying it, the one thing that none of them, none of them, uh, uh, that, that all of these stories, None of them deny the simple fact that regardless of where Jesus was and when he was there, they all, none of them deny the fact that simply that the grave was empty. And uh, sometimes we can't get caught up in where did he appear first and what did he do first? You know what? I get to a point where I say, you know, I actually don't care. The fact that he wasn't in the grave, that's enough for me to celebrate and praise him. But in this story, I want to read in, in Luke 24, and I'm going to share from uh, verse 13. Now, behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had appeared. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas or Clopas, however you want to pronounce it, answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Verse 21, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things had happened. This story, for sake of time, we can't read the whole story. But if you go on further, they continue this conversation with, with Jesus and the Bible says that they actually end up stopping and they sit down with Jesus and they eat food with him. And it says at the end of their time spent with Jesus that after they sat with him and spent some extra time with him, they realized who it was that they were sitting with. And then they rushed back to the town to tell everybody 
that Jesus had risen and they had seen him. This is the account of two disciples that we find and where we pick up this story, two disciples that are not at a good place. On this story and this day that we celebrate of resurrection, we find two disciples who are sad, they are dejected, they feel like God has let them down. They feel like they were believing for something to happen. They had faith for it. But what they were believing for did not come about. These are two disciples that I think represent so many of us sometimes in our Christian walk. Where we can come to church but still in our hearts there is a part of us that we have this question but why? Why did this happen this way? During the resurrection in the middle of what's going on, we find two disciples that are down. They are not feeling good. They've given up. And look at what they've done. They've given up and now Jesus meets them on the road to a town called Emmaus. This town, they say, theologians say that the reason why they're most likely heading to this town is because this was where they had come from. This was what they knew. This was what they were familiar with. Isn't it interesting and, and isn't it funny that whenever we go through these times where we feel like we're being let down by God and we feel dejected that we have this tendency to just go back to what we know. That we have a tendency to go back to what is safe. We have a tendency to go back to what we're used to. This is what Peter did as well because Peter was in a similar place. The resurrection and, and, and what was going on, they were, they were still at this place where they had not yet seen the miracle that they had been believing for. They were still going through the, the sorrow of losing Jesus. And we know Peter going through that sorrow and the shame of what he did. Peter ran back and he went back to what he knew. He went back to fishing. These two disciples, they've given up. They're done. They're on the road to Emmaus. They're like, forget this. I mean, this dude said that he was going to Savior, He was going to be the deliverer. He was going to set us free. We've been walking with Him. We've been believing great things. But now everything has not worked out the way we thought it was going to work out. And now we're dejected. Now we're let down. Now we're sad. And they're on this road back to Emmaus. Their disappointment has so clouded them that when Jesus actually comes along beside them, they cannot even, it says their eyes were covered. They were walking in so much heaviness and so much disappointment that the very miracle they were believing for was right beside them, yet they couldn't even see Him. Sometimes I think in our Christian walk, we can get so focused on what did not happen that we miss what actually has happened. Sometimes in our Christian walk, we can hold so tightly to the disappointment that we miss the breakthrough that God's trying to do through the disappointment. 
that we can get so focused on what we thought God was going to do and how He was going to do it, that we miss who He is. There's a similar thing that happens in the Bible with John the Baptist. Do you remember John the Baptist? He was the dude that ate the flies and the locusts. He was the crazy guy with the camel's hair. He was the one that is baptising people. And when he sees Jesus, he says, Behold the Lamb of God. John the Baptist had an understanding of who Jesus was. But look at what happens with John the Baptist. When you fast forward the story of John the Baptist, when he gets put in prison, And they are coming to behead him. John the Baptist sends his disciples over to Jesus and says these words. says, go to Jesus and ask him, is he the one or should we expect somebody else? John the Baptist, hang on a sec. Now, the same guy who was... When he baptised Jesus said, that's the Lamb of God. All of a sudden, because now he's in a bad situation and things are not looking good. Now he has allowed the what of his situation, the what that was going on around him, what was happening him was able to affect his faith in the who. See, you cannot allow what you're going through Affect your faith in who He is. You've got to not allow the difficult circumstance you're going through. Question and start to think, is He really the Son of God? Is He really going to get raised up? Is He really going to come through my situation? Is He really going to restore my family? Is He really going to heal me? You've got to get a fresh revelation of who your King is, of who your Messiah is and declare over your life that my God is going to come through in my life, whether how He does it, whether the timing He does it, but I trust in Him. You can't let the what cloud your revelation of the who. The resurrection, the resurrection had happened. These dudes should have been partying back in Jerusalem. These dudes should have been pumped, but they missed, they were missing the moment because their head was down with the disappointment at what had not happened or what they thought had not happened. In fact, Jesus, when Jesus speaks to them, in verse 25, then He said to them, O foolish ones and slow, slow of heart, He says to them. Slow of heart to believe. I think we as Christians need to be reminded that we need to, I prayed it when I read that verse, when I read that verse in studying this and I prayed and I said, Lord, I pray that You would help me to have a heart that is quick to believe. A heart that is quick to grab a hold of the things of God. Where people don't have to talk me into believing for great things for my life. I'll read a verse and I'll grab a hold of it and say, I'm taking that for me. You've got to have a heart that's quick to, that's hearts to quick to grab a hold of what you believe God is going to do in and through your life. Not a heart that's slow to believe. I want to give you real quickly three quick things that the resurrection gives us. And this Sunday in Easter, as we celebrate this, the first thing the resurrection gives us as children of the living God, as children of the Son of God. The resurrection gives us a peace. 
in our difficult circumstances. When Jesus appeared to the disciples, one of the appearances were when the disciples are gathered and the Bible says that they are gathered because of fear of what might possibly happen to them. Because they had just crucified Jesus and they were known as Jesus' disciples. So these disciples are barricaded in a house. It says the door was shut. If you study, it actually says that most likely they have barricaded the door. But Jesus, knowing of their fear, stepped into their situation. Even though there was natural circumstances to try and stop Him, Jesus stepped right into the middle of their fear and their situation and declared peace. I want to tell you, Jesus will go somewhere in your life that no one else can go. Jesus will step into your life, into a place that a relationship can't go, a job can't go, a counsellor can't go, a therapist cannot go there. When you get a revelation of Jesus Christ, He will step into a place that no one else can go. And He steps in and He declares this to them. First thing He does when He gets on the scene, He says, peace be with you. He knew, he knew what they were going through. He knew that they were freaking out. He didn't stand on the outside and be like, come on guys, get it together. Have some faith. Believe. You know, I told you this was going to happen. You need to start to get, no, no, no. He stepped straight into the middle because he knew what they were going through. And he declares peace. Then what does he do? The Bible says the moment he spoke peace, it said he showed them his hands and his side. What was he doing? He was declaring peace and then he was revealing to them who he was. Because the Bible, because Jesus knows throughout the Bible, if you look in Scripture, that the disciples had a tendency sometimes to think Jesus was a ghost. Remember when they were on the, on the water and they looked out and they needed peace and they looked out and they were freaking out. And again, they're full of fear. And they look out and they see Jesus and they said, He's a ghost. So the first thing Jesus does is He steps in the situation and said, listen, peace be with you. This is who I am. Look at my scars. Whenever Caressa is at home and I'm out, sometimes Caressa will be at home and she'll hear like a noise and she'll get scared. And what will happen is sometimes if, if I'm out, she might be in our room, she might be watching a movie or something and I'll be out and I'll come home, but she doesn't know that I'm home. And what will happen is I will walk in our bedroom door. I'll open our bedroom door and walk in the door. And my wife doesn't know that I'm home. And the moment the door opens, she's like, oh my gosh. It, it, her response scares me. I said, well, you're never going to have to worry about someone breaking into our house because the moment you see them, you're going to freak them out so much they're going to leave. So what I do is whenever, if I get home, and I know that she doesn't know that I'm there. I'll go before, as I'm coming to the door, I'll be like, Cressa, it's me. Don't shoot me. Husband, kind, loving, three years married. Please don't end my life. I'm home. What am I doing is I'm giving her warning. As I step in, I'm saying, this is who I am. It's okay. 
This was what Jesus was doing. Jesus stepped into this situation, declared peace and then revealed who He was. How can you have peace when you know who He is? He steps into your situation and you know that this is not just a ghost. This is the tangible presence of God that will invade your fear in a difficult time. It's the peace that surpasses all understanding that you can be going through all hell and His peace will invade your space and say, listen, it's okay, I'm here. You could be a businessman going, about to go into a meeting and not knowing what to say, not knowing what to do. And you could just quietly say in your spirit, Lord, I need you now and His peace will step in. You could be going through difficulty. You can be facing anxiety. You can be dealing with depression. You can be facing the weight of situations going on in your family, situations in your marriage, things you're dealing with. And it takes but a moment to say, Lord, I need your touch. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. That's the peace of God. The peace of the world is determined by what's going on around you. The peace of God doesn't matter what's going on around you. It'll invade your space. And you can be in the middle of challenges, in the middle of difficulties, but still sense the touch of God. That's the peace of God. The other thing that we get through the resurrection, in addition to His peace, we also get His power. What Jesus Christ did on the cross, He defeated hell and the grave. He defeated every single thing that comes against you in your life. You already have the victory over. Listen, you don't have to. You don't have to fight the battle. The fight for you is learning what it is to walk in the battle that's already been won for you. It's understanding that God, Jesus Christ has already done it. So what we're actually praying for, for example, the Word of God says that by His stripes, we are healed. Not by His stripes, you will be healed. By His stripes, we are healed, which means it was done on the cross. So when you pray, people say, well, why am I praying for healing? When you pray for healing, the Bible says pray without ceasing. You're calling down what God has already done in the Spirit to become manifest in the natural. So you're praying not that it would be done, but that what has already been done would be manifest in my life and in my physical body. You have power. You've got power over the enemy. You've got power because of the name of Jesus Christ. When you declare things in the name of Jesus, there's no power if I pray to God in the name of Ben. Dear Lord G, I come before you in the name of Ben. Please bless my family. What's that going to do? Nothing. When you pray in the name of Jesus. Bible says every knee will bow at the mention of the name Jesus. You've got to understand when you pray and you ask things in Jesus' name, hell starts to shake because every time you say the name of Jesus, it reminds them of the day that Jesus went down to hell and took back the keys to life and death itself and defeated every single demonic thing on that cross and through the empty grave. You have power through the name of Jesus. Someone give God praise because you're not going in your name, you're going in His name. When you declare, when you speak it out over your situation, when you send out the Word of God, you've got power.
When you pray things and you declare the blood of Jesus Christ, I pray it over my home. I pray it over my family in Jesus' Name. I say, Lord, put a hedge of protection around my home. Put the blood of Jesus on my wife, on my child. Cover my mind. I bind my mind to the mind of Christ. I cancel every assignment of the enemy over my life. I push back every strategy. I speak confusion into the enemy's plans. I bind the enemy's plans over my family. I bind the enemy's plans over my finances. And in Jesus' Name, I declare blessing. You've got power. Some of you, you don't have a revelation of the power that you have. When you pray, you've got to understand. Some of you, the enemy understands the power of the name of Jesus better than we do. We just throw it around sometimes and we don't realise. We just throw that name out sometimes every now and then. You don't realise what's going on when you say the name of Jesus. You start walking in the victory of Jesus Christ. You have power. There's power through the resurrection. There's power through what He did. Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the Gospel, the Gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. What's the resurrection? The resurrection is a part of the Gospel. I said it on, on, on the, when we were celebrating Good Friday. Good Friday deals with my past. Good Friday covers the blood of Jesus Christ that we celebrate on Good Friday through the crucifixion deals with my past. But the resurrection that happens on Sunday empowers my future. You have power through the resurrection. And the last thing real quickly as we come to close and keys can come. Firstly, you have peace. Through the resurrection, you have power through the resurrection. And lastly, you have purpose through the resurrection. I made them all start with P to just make it easy for you. These, these disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus and they've lost their purpose. They've been disheartened. By what's happened. You ever got to a stage where you essentially you give up on God? Maybe you took a hit that was so bad. You're believing for something and it didn't happen. And it hit you so hard. You lost your purpose. Yeah, you might still come to church. And you might still sing the songs. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me that there are people on the outside. They're doing everything right. But you've lost your purpose in your heart because you got so discouraged through what you felt, where you felt like God let you down. These men were broken, discouraged. They were done. It was over. But the Bible says that when Jesus spoke and met with them as they these as he began to converse with them as they sat with Jesus the disciples later on talked about that time and in Luke 24 verse 32 and, and they said to one another did not our heart burn within us while he talked to us through the resurrection you get 
your purpose in life back when you understand what Jesus did for you. That's what happened to these men. Once they had that encounter with God, they didn't keep going on that road to Emmaus of disheartened and brokenness. They turned around, they got a new purpose back. And the Bible says they turned around and they went back to the town and began to tell everybody what Jesus had done. There's people here. You come each Sunday. Maybe this is the first Sunday you've come in a while. But God, He doesn't want your actions before He wants your heart. Because He knows that if He gets your heart, your actions will follow. God says the actions, He says, it's not to say that the actions are not important. Yes, He loves it when we come to church. Yes, He loves it when we pray. Yes, He loves it when we read our Word. Yes, He loves it when we sing the songs. But before the actions, He wants the heart. Because when you get a heart for God, you come to church. When you get a heart for God, you read His Word. Your heart, as these disciples shared, it'll burn within you. When I discovered my purpose through a revelation of Jesus Christ, something burned, something stirred within me. I had heard services before. I had been to church before. But when I really encountered Jesus Christ, something got set alight in my spirit and my heart began to burn with purpose. And people would ask me, you know, when I would meet people and they would, you know, in, in Australia and, and they would say, what do you do? And I would say, you know, I'm a pastor. And some people think that that's an Italian dish in Australia and they don't know what you're talking about. And people would always ask me and they say, what do you do? How did you get into what you do? And I tell them, I would say, I had an encounter with Jesus once that changed my life. Why do I do what I do? Real simple. So people would encounter the same thing that I encountered. I got purpose. But this is the thing about this story. I'm looking at this story. I'm looking at all of the different things that are going on. The same time this is happening. In the story, these two men walking to Emmaus. There is so, this is a busy time in Jerusalem. Jesus has been raised from the dead. It is frantic that the tomb is empty. Soldiers have been knocked out. It's like people are running around crazy. No one knows. Some saying he might have risen. Some saying he's been stolen. People don't know what's going on. It's crazy. It's mayhem. But you find Jesus not in Jerusalem. Jesus is on a road. The Bible says it's about a day's journey away from Jerusalem. Jesus is on a road talking with two dudes that don't want nothing to do with Him anymore. If I was God, I'd be looking at the watch saying, listen, Jesus, I appreciate, you know, like you want to chat to these guys, but I mean, we've got some stuff to do. We're on, we're on schedule right now. This is not great time management. If I dare say, this for Jesus in the natural is not a great use of His time. 
Come on, with our obsession, our modern day obsession with, with being on track and having a schedule and being strategic with our time, I'd be looking if I was God at Jesus saying, listen, bro, you know, we need to start getting some things done here. You're about to come up. Holy Spirit's about to have His debut. He's already, He's getting dressed. He's about to show up in the upper room. You've only got a few days. We don't have time for these two jokers. What are you doing? All of these things are going on. You've got disciples that are gathered together, freaking out in a room. You've got Mary. You've got the women at the tomb. You've got groups of people that are looking for you, waiting, not knowing what's going on. And you're on a road a day away with two idiots that gave up on you. We don't have time for this. This is the picture that we need to understand. It gives us a picture of His heart for us. That while there were two men that gave up on Him, He never gave up on them. And He said, even though they're a day away, I'm going to take a journey from where I am to where, look at this, to where they are. If you've ever had Jesus meet you where you were, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever had Jesus break into your place of hurt, if you've ever had the touch of God break into your place of brokenness, your place of sin, you know what it's like to have Jesus interrupt your journey on the road to Emmaus. Jesus will always meet you where you're at. He'll always find where you are. He will run you down. He loves you that much. In fact, He came all the way from heaven to earth just to run you down. Not so that you would go to a Sunday service. Not so that you would become a member of a church. He ran you down for one thing, relationship. It's so important to him because when they, he had that encounter with them. See, there, if you read the story later on, we didn't have time to look at it, but they're walking along the road and they still didn't know who he was. Not until they sat, the Bible says they sat with him. They said they ate some food. That's baffling to me with everything going on in Jerusalem. Jesus sits down, he's chilling, eating some food with these two guys that gave up on Him. I love that we serve a God of the one. I love that we serve a God who will run you down wherever you are. But He didn't run them down to just have a religious experience. He ran them down for relationship. And He said, let's not just, let's not just do this. Let's sit Let's have some food. Let's hang a little bit. When was the last time you hung with Jesus? When was the last time you, you actually sat with Him and all of the religious, ritualistic, religious process was thrown out the window and you got with Him and you said, Lord, I just want to encounter you. 
you got with Him and you, you fought past all of the different things that you have to tick to say you read this Bible and prayed it here and did this here. When was the last time you sat and almost put everything aside and said, Lord, I want to encounter Your presence. I want to sense Your touch. I want to know who You are. Because the Bible said, it says at the last verse of that story in verse 35, and they told about the things that had happened on the road and how He was known to them in the breaking of bread. I want to challenge you this Easter in a time where we can become so religious. We get dressed up. And I'm not saying it's bad. It's great. We go to a service, we pray, we spend time, put effort and energy. But sometimes I think in everything that we do, we forget what it is to just hang with Jesus. And I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. I don't know what's going on in your life or what your situation might have been. Maybe you did feel like God let you down and your heart is far from Him. But I want to give you an opportunity in this room on Easter Sunday to reconnect with your God through His Saviour, Jesus Christ. To receive that price that was paid on the cross of Calvary for you. And say, Lord, I need to get my heart right with you. Maybe you're just doing, you've been doing the motions, going to the services, doing all the things, but your heart is far from Him. I believe God is drawing you to Him this morning. And right across this room, I would ask that every person stand to their feet and down in the overflow, if you could stand to your feet as well without people. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.